Welcome to another edition of UCBS on Times Live. The economic hub of our country is Gauteng. I love our city, Johannesburg in particular. It's my favorite part of the country. What happens in this province matters because it is central to the economic well-being of the entire country. That means, in turn, that political contestation within the province really, really is important. The African National Congress, the incumbent national government, has had a slow decline electorally, roughly around three percentage points in each of the last couple of successive national elections. Many analysts are predicting that 2024 will be fascinating to see whether the ANC might for the first time dip below 50% even. One of the determinants of whether that will happen is how well the ANC can do in Gauteng, where it also has been losing a lot of electoral support over the last 10 years or so. With that said, the contestation for who becomes the ANC's chair in the province is critically important. It's not just an internal ANC matter. It may also have, and most certainly will, have implications for our democracy more generally. We've got Panyaza Lesufi, who is one of the folks who are contesting for that position. And of course, you will know him as a very energetic and media savvy education MEC. But he's going up against someone who is also media savvy and has had a prominent platform within our politics for many, many years now. Uh, Lebohang Mahile, who, of course, has also been involved uh, in the provincial government as Cooperative Governance and Human Settlements, MEC. And he joins me for this conversation. You're listening to Eusebius on Times Live. That's this latest podcast on Times Live. And it's me, Eusebius McKaiser, exploring the major issues of the week. That means you're going to hear a lot of law, politics and ethics, how they intersect and how important these stories are in the life of all South Africans. When people saw their children must know these are sellouts. They put saliva on the paper. Mr. Julius Malema whispered and said, sing it, sing it. And then they shared that zone. No, I'm not going to apologize. apologize. Can I have my iPad, please? So they stole it. Lebohan, thank you so much for making time. I know you've had a busy couple of weeks. Thanks for coming on Times Live. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having us uh, uh, on this important platform to communicate uh, uh, with the citizens of our province. I want to start with a slightly unusual question before we get directly to the possibility of your being ANC chair. I want to talk about political culture inside the ANC. You and I are the same age. In fact, I think I'm a couple of months older than you. But we are both young. And one of the things that I think turns off, and it's just my conjecture, turns off many citizens of all political persuasions who are our age or younger than you and I, is certain tendencies within the ANC. Ah, if, you know, the branches nominate me, I will tell them what I think. Um, I don't want to promote myself. I don't want to draw attention to myself. I mean, can we just talk about that 
What does modernization look like <laughs> in terms of political culture in the ANC for you? <laughs> uh, you know, an organization like the ANC, very old, uh, there are certain culture, traditions, and practices which I think must still be, be upheld, like um, discouraging uh, self-promotion. Uh, uh, I don't think there should be uh, a moment, even if you modernize, where people must be encouraged to promote themselves. Uh, um, I think there should be a balance between uh, uh, modernizing uh, and adapting to uh, 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 the time, new, new, what is it, uh, uh, adapting to the um, modern times and, and also keeping that, that balance, you know. Uh, you know, it's like in our families, um, you, you have to uh, have uh, old people insisting on doing uh, certain things in a certain way. Uh, but from time to time, we must introduce uh, new ways of doing things. So... Um, I don't uh, have a problem uh, with um, uh, certain uh, traditions. Uh, I think we we should insist on having them, um, but at the same time we must uh, we must adapt. Uh, you know, Pitamkaba once told us that if the youth league does not adapt, it will die, and it could not adapt, it died. So. Um, uh, society is not static, uh, and young people, as you say, um, they don't want people who speak in folk tongues. They want to. Exactly. They want to know what are you saying. Uh, you can still say I'm available without promoting yourself, because uh, once you are nominated, you 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 need to say whether you are available or not. And so you can't say I'm waiting for the branches when the branches have spoken already. So I think it's about creating that balance. Uh, I don't think uh, it's a it's a bad thing. It's about creating yeah. that balance. No, I, I appreciate that. And the reason why I ask that as a preliminary question is that I keep watching the regional and provincial conferences and I keep a keen eye as a political analyst and I obviously speak to you and your colleagues both off, off the record and on the record, to understand the machinations of the ANC. And, um, I mean, I can understand a 70-year-old person not being able to change their spots. But if I speak to you or to Ronald or to Panyaza, I think to myself, why the hell are we all sounding as if we are in an ANC conference in 1950? Just say, I want to be deputy president of the ANC on this slate in December, and here's my case. Which brings me to asking you a direct question. Do you want to be ANC chair or are you just grudgingly doing what the branches want? Or do you have deep desire, ambition to be the provincial chair? And if so, why? I, I want to serve the ANC uh, in any capacity, including that of being chair. Uh, so it's not uh, exclusively chairperson, meaning that if I'm not elected chair, I will leave, I will walk away, and I will sulk. And I will. So if I'm elected chair, uh, well and good, I will embrace it. Uh, if I'm not elected and I'm 
instructed to serve in any other capacity like it has happened before. You would know that in the last uh, provincial conference I was contesting to be deputy chair, I lost with 18 votes to Panyaza and I continued to serve in the provincial executive committee. So there's no ambiguity about it. Uh, I would definitely uh, like to offer the, the knowledge, the skills um, um, that I've acquired uh, in the ANC, um, that I've, uh, uh, I've been given an opportunity by the ANC, by the way, uh, to uh, know whatever that I'm, uh, what I know now. I mean, I've been made um, a president of COSAS uh, when I was like 15 years old at the national level for about three terms. I served as a chair of the Youth League in Gauteng. I served as a secretary of the Youth League in Gauteng. I served as the chair of the Youth Commission. I served as an MEC for about 12 years now. Um, and there's, just, there's so much I've learned over those many, many years. And I believe uh, I owe it to the African National Congress and the people of South Africa to um, reciprocate and uh, um, share whatever knowledge uh, and skills I've accumulated uh, over those many, many years um, so, so that um, we can better the lives uh, of our people. But here's the and problem. Would... Here's the, the challenge, uh, Lebohan. And whether you become chair or Panyaza, both of you will have a massive challenge. Whoever becomes chair, the ANC as a unit in the province will have a massive challenge between now and 2024. You know what the numbers look like. You hardly managed to get 51% just under in 20 in the in the last election. And so what would be your vision and plan for two things? And these are interlinked because of the party political system. What would be your vision and plan, in essence, to turn around the fortunes of the ANC, because you've got very little time, and therefore also, or related to that, turn around the fortunes of Gauteng developmentally? Because if we had to go on your empirical record as an ANC government, um, and I could be asking this of any of you in the provincial um, executive. Um, it's a difficult record to defend, and the electoral decline demonstrates it, doesn't it? <laughs> Look, um, this question keeps on coming up in terms of uh, who can win uh, ANC votes in 2024. And I want to put it in simple terms uh, and, and, and be emphatic about it, that there is no single individual uh, that can carry um, the ANC on their shoulders. The ANC is a big organization, a multi-class, multi-sectoral, uh, broad-based, old, with all these traditions we're talking about and all that. So any myth that there will be a single individual that can carry the ANC, whether in the province or nationally, um, it remains a myth. I mean, um, uh, the only reason people uh, vote, or rather one of the reasons people will vote for you, it's if you resolve their problems. But for as long as you don't resolve people's problems, they'll not vote for you. You would have seen that uh, people stayed away um, in the last uh, few elections 
for a number of reasons. Last year, when I was campaigning for the local government elections, I met a granny who said to me, look, uh, I receive a child, uh, what is it, a, a pension grant, uh, but every time I'm supposed to receive my money, I must leave my house at 4 a.m. and come back at 9 p.m. So, yes, I'm receiving the grant, but it's so difficult for me to access it. So if you can't solve the problem of that granny, she's not going to vote. Her children, her grandchildren. So for me, it's simple. We must resolve the problems of our people. People are not working. The economy is not growing. ESCOM is not working. SOEs are not working. And unfortunately, because we are in housing, uh, even the things that happen national, they have an impact on a Houghton voter. And the Houghton voter uh, is, is, is wiser, with due respect, without saying other voters are not. But I'm not saying that. <laughs> yes, no, I'm not saying that. Uh, but what I'm saying is uh, you've got people like yourself here who are opinionated, um, uh, who've got views about everything, uh, who don't want RTP houses, uh, who don't want free education or whatever. But who want a government to use the power it has to create conducive conditions for you to have, uh, for instance, uh, favorable um, loan uh, agreements with the banks to be able to get loans uh, for cars and all that, and the interest rates and the economy must be manageable, and you must be able to have more and more opportunities, and you must thrive and all that. So the Houting uh, uh, voter is a very uh, difficult to to, to 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 please. So you 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 must also understand that it, it's not homogeneous. Uh, it, it thinks differently. There's different interests, and uh, that's why the NC must be volatile. I mean, sorry, must be versatile as a as a as a as, as an organization. So that's where the I, I agree with you, Lebohan. I agree with you. The, the, the difficulty for yourself in terms of your electoral fortunes going forward with what you have just said is that the evidence of whether voters still trust you suggests that they don't. If we looked at really good social science polls in the last year, Levels of trust in politics in general, not just the ANC, have declined. In levels of public trust in democratic institutions are generally on the decline. Voter turnout, as you know, in local government elections went down. And we are now no longer able to brag internationally about being an outlier with high levels of participation. But more importantly for you as Kauteng ANC, your numbers in 2019 suggest that the promises that that granny, that goal you spoke about, will not have to wake up early, make an unsafe journey to go and get her pension. She will hear you on this podcast or see you on a press conference on TV saying, looking into the cameras, she will vote for me if I make her experience a better life. But she will go, how? But you said that the last time you came when you wanted my vote. I still haven't experienced improvement with my streetlights with safe public transport. On the evidence, the ANC makes the right diagnosis of what it must do, like the president's speech on Youth Day, 
But the reality is that youth unemployment is still at 67%. So you don't do what you promised you could do. Yeah, you see, and, and that's why you need decisive leadership. Uh, that is courageous. It's not about uh, talking about the problems. Um, uh, Karl Marx says that uh, philosophers have interpreted the world in various ways. However, the point is to change it. So we, 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 can, we will certainly agree um, if we are going to discuss the problems that we are facing. Poverty, inequality, unemployment, the economy, this and that, ESCOM, we will agree. Um, but the issue is, uh, do you have the capacity, do you have the skills, the courage um, to, to do all these things? And that's why we are saying, uh, whilst we are encouraging and promoting what we will call generational mix in the ANC, because you still need the wisdom of the elders, uh, but you need the, the younger ones who are agile, who, who are courageous and, and decisive. I'm, 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 I'm making this description because it's not inherent that when you are young, you'll be courageous. Uh, when you are young, you'll be competent. When you are young, you are skilled. No, it's not. It's not. It's not inherent. Um, um, uh, so we want to make sure that <clears throat> we bring together a team. And that's why when you look at the team that we are proposing, is a team of experience, a team of skilled, competent uh, individuals who've got a history um, in the various organizations, whether in the ANC, in the Youth League, in the student movement, uh, to take decisions and ensure that uh, those decisions um, are implemented um, and, and there's, there's, there's impact. Because it doesn't matter what we say. We can say we want to do this or we've done this or whatever, but the issue is the, the impact that it has on, on our citizens. For instance, we will say we're giving people pensions, but this grant is saying uh, it's so difficult to access that pension, you know? So sometimes we, we, we focus on what we are doing. Because for instance, you, there's something you said, our record of service delivery, how they... I will, I will, I will dispute what you are saying, but it's not, it's not about what I believe or what, what I'm going to say because I can give you the stats and the numbers, but the issue is the people on the ground. What is their experience on a daily basis and all that? So that's why, for me, what is important is an organization that is visible, an organization that is strong, that is uh, that is omnipresent, and that is everywhere in our province. Uh, because if the organization is able on a daily basis to interact with the people, feel their pulse and receive feedback. So you don't have to wait for elections to know uh, what is the feeling on the ground, um, what are the people saying. That's why I don't believe in uh, individualism. I don't believe in what is it that I can do as an individual. I know what is my um, what is my potential uh, and what is my uh, capacity? But I will never put it before that of the collective. Uh, and I know okay. it might sound like uh, it's uh, mm. the, 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 the rhetoric you are talking about. But, and that's why I was thinking there are certain things we must not change. Uh, and one of those is collective leadership because once we are able to combine our 
skills, our abilities, I think we are able to make a much bigger impact instead of uh, promoting ourselves as individuals. Of course, individuals have got the role to play in a, in a collective. And if they don't uh, show up and take up responsibility, there will be no collective. So it's, it does start with an individual. Let, let, yeah. Sorry, the only reason I'm, I'm interrupting is that um, Karaba will remind us that we, we only have about 10 minutes left. So I want to squeeze in a couple of quick questions in the small little time that we have left. And I want to focus a little bit on your candidacy, which is what I was trying to do earlier. But then we started speaking more generally about the ANC and about our society. You know, I've looked at so many of your interviews. I look at your interaction with journalists um, and reflected over the last day while we were setting up this interview on elements of your leadership as an individual. Um, and I, I want you to react to this, Lebohan. You know, there's a direct head-to-head contestation between you and Panyaza. If I had Panyaza on, and I hope he will still come on, uh, before the weekend, I will ask him some tough questions about his own strengths and weaknesses as a leader. But one of his strengths, you talk about perception and how people experience things on the ground, is that, yeah, some people will say, okay, he's a liker of things, small and young, a crisis at the school, and he's there. On my way, I'm coming to find the kid that was naughty. But in general, he's a media darling because he is seen... I think, as exuding calm. You, by contrast, what would you say to someone who says this? You're a little bit unpredictable. Sometimes you are calm, you can laugh a little bit, (laughs) but you can also be hot-headed. I mean, two years ago, I think it was two years ago, your interaction, for example, with... Human rights. Chapter 9 institutions. Now, I don't want to go into the merits of, yes. of the questions you are being asked about the Alex O'Neill project. But I'm talking now about tone and body language and, and getting angry very quickly. And, um, and I think to myself, just from a tone point of view and how you carry yourself, um, your political opponent for the next week or so, you can be friends after contestation, one of the advantages he has in terms of tonality not in terms of substance and vision, is that it just looks calm. And you may hate it as a stereotype, but some people will think that you're a little bit unpredictable in terms of whether you can be in control of political speech and engagement. What would you say to that? Well, I'm very robust. Uh, honest. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, that I am. I'm very robust. Uh, and, 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 and I'm honest. Um, if I don't agree with you, you always know, you will always know where I stand. Um, I, I don't believe in uh, being untruthful and, and, and deceiving people. Uh, and, and, and what you see is what you get. That's why even in my, uh, uh, in the execution of my responsibilities, that's what happens. You can tell, you can ask all the people I've worked with uh, in the Youth Commission as the chair, in the five different departments I have held uh, in Gauteng. And that's why I can be able to show you. This is what we've been able to do here when we're in sports, when we're in agriculture and economic development, now in COCTA, in human settlement. You will remember, for instance, um, when we came uh, in COCTA, 
Uh, we've had a lot of running battles with municipalities. Uh, Twani is one of the, I think, uh, um, the, uh, most um, uh, what is it, most profiled because it went to the Concord, and a lot of people still uh, don't know what transpired in the Concord because they've never read the Concord judgment. In fact, the Concord judgment vindicates me. You know, because people are saying you are unreasonable, you are. Because I saw an article on Daily Maverick uh, by Stephen Crotes. So Stephen Stephen Crotes. Yes. So <laughs> Stephen says no. Uh, basically, saying I'm a constitutional delinquent, and then he's um, uh, he's casting aspersions on Banyaza's integrity when it comes to corruption and all that. That that's what the article says uh, basically. But Stephen Crotes. Uh, I think has not done justice, and I would have, and I would like to have a discussion with him so that we discuss in details. Because if you look at the Concord judgment on Twan, it basically describes um, our leadership uh, approach: being robust, being honest, uh, being decisive, being courageous. So sometimes, uh, when you appear to be honest, robust, courageous, it might seem to be arrogance and all this, but it's not. I'm actually very likable. That, that's fair enough. I'm it's part of the hurly burly of politics. Yeah, I'm, I'm very humble yeah. no, and likable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I want to read that Concord judgment again, and then I will adjudicate the dispute between you and Stephen. I did read Stephen's article, and I found it quite interesting. But you, you are perfectly legit to, to, to engage him. My final question, Lebohang, is also about candidacy, but not about your character. I want to go back to the mechanics. The one thing the ANC is good at, you're right, is getting the pulse of its supporters. And it gets timing right. My friend Karima always used to say, the one thing that the opposition underestimate about the ANC is its election machinery that kicks into gear at just the right time leading up to an election. And then they are caught off guard as the opposition. And it was interesting ahead of of, of the local elections, because she said to me, it will be interesting to see how, how the ANC manages an election when it doesn't have the psychological advantage of filling the stadium with lots of people. So there's something there for, for the ANC understanding it. But here's, here's where I'm going with the question. Now you've got staff that are unhappy at Lutuli House. You've got, you know, the office of the Secretary General in general disarray. You've got in provinces contestation about how many branches are in good standing. Provinces like the Western Cape, for example, where there's a minority number of branches that are in good standing. And so the nuts and bolts of organization, which you are good at, some would say even better than you are at governance. That is one thing that has slowly declined over the last couple of years. In Gauteng, at that level of practicality, how would you turn things around so that that well-oiled machine can do its thing competing against other parties? Yeah. <laughs> the, the NC must... Uh must modernize because when you look at this stuff that you're saying it's not paid uh, you can't even define the role of some of these people uh, in the organization you don't know what they are there to do uh, what are they there for that's one but two um, we 
we have not been able to uh, raise sufficient resources. Not that we could not raise resources. In fact, uh, every year, uh, the national, in fact, I think by last year, the TG of the NC had raised a billion rand, and that's a lot of money. <laughs> but it then begs the question, where did that money go? Um, uh, and why can't we use that as a base to to have more money and all that? So I think we need to think differently and do things differently. Um, we will uh, do that. I mean, in Gauteng, uh, we have an opportunity uh, because there are a lot of um, um, uh, opportunities uh, in the province. Uh, we are better. Um, we are. We are yeah, better located uh, than um, uh, our other colleagues uh, elsewhere. And we should be able to uh, firstly make sure that you recruit people who are skilled, people who are uh, qualified uh, academically, uh, so that you professionalize, because you need to professionalize the, uh, the workforce of the ANC. And then you need to, because if you have got a professionalized, uh, capable, skilled workforce, you'll be able to make the ANC what I would call a a, 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 a what is it, a center of power. Because one of the weaknesses is that we depend on those who are in government to for us to be able to know what is it that needs to be done when it's supposed to be the other way around. The ANC has to understand what has to be done. And the ANC must give um, a direction to its employees. Because if the employees are the ones who are giving directions to the ANC, you'll have problems. And that's why you will believe that we don't have a good record of uh, a governance. I'll give you an example where I am in human settlement. In the last term, there's been about four MECs in one term. So it means on average, an MEC has been there for one year, two months. Uh, so there, there's not been stability and every MEC who comes they've got their own views and ideas on what must be done and that's why I always uh, discourage individualism because it's not individuals who are contesting for power it's the ANC that contests for power therefore the ANC's uh, ideas and way of doing things must always uh, be at the centre and reign supreme So, but if the ANC does not have that capacity as an organization on its own, uh, then it will have lots of problems, like we're seeing now. I mean, you rely on a minister, for instance, or a CEO of ESCOM to tell you what is the problem and why ESCOM can be solved. If you had the capacity, you should be directing ESCOM on what. Firstly, you would have diagnosed the problem, and then you direct them, you give them time frames. So that's why you can't even hold certain people accountable and you can't fire ministers or MECs who are not working because internally you don't have the capacity to make a determination of uh, who's working or who's not working. I must tell you as an MEC of Human Settlement or of COCTA that no, certain things can't happen. Then you must accept that and understand when in fact you should be saying as an MEC of COCTA of Human Settlement, uh, this is what we want you to achieve. And if you don't achieve this thing by this time, uh, and these are the tools, by the way, and this is how we are going to support you as the organization. So it will. It, it requires a lot of work 
to build the ANC as an organization. I think we took uh, uh, building the ANC uh, for granted because post 94, everyone went into government. All good people, ANC did not have enough resources to pay the kind of salaries that state-owned agencies, entities, the government are paying. Some people went to business. And I think the ANC must um, uh, be competitive uh, as well in terms of uh, recruiting the best to come and work uh, in the ANC future. Once we can be able to do that, I think it will help us a lot as the ANC to um, uh, govern better. Nebuchadnezzar, thank you for this interview. I've really enjoyed it. All the best in your political contestation. And um, for you. your sake, I hope you renew yourselves before you get kicked out. No, uh, we will definitely. Uh, that, that's that's why the conference must elect us this weekend, so that we renew ourselves. <laughs> so you must tell that to the delegates, that you must elect Lebohan so that you can be renewed. <laughs> Thank you. Cheers, Lebohan.